Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. ABTB buddies, I got a good one with Tyson Cox today. Tyson is an Indiana comedian who has his first album coming out here pretty soon. We had a great conversation, and we did talk about a Star Wars bit that he did. And if you check out the show notes, there is a link to a TikTok video of the Star Wars joke that's going to be on the album. It's a really good one. So check this one out. It's a good one. Thanks for listening. I have to say, I've been watching a lot of your clips, and I also watch the way you are putting out content for social media and things like that. And we have a mutual friend in Dan West, and I know that he's a big fan of yours as well. And I'm glad to finally have you on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, I've known Dan for, oh, coming up on a decade now. Yeah, yeah. And now he's leaving town. He's uh, he's he's getting Atlanta. Yeah, he's getting out of Dodge. He's going to be closer to me now than he is to anybody in the Kokomo or Indianapolis <laughs> area. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll do him good. I think it'll be a bit of a, not really a shock. I definitely think a benefit going from Kokomo, Indiana to Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, it's funny. I went from South Bend to Huntsville, and Huntsville's bigger, but it's a big, small city, but still, it's okay. a little bit daunting, especially the driving and stuff like that. It's yeah. it's definitely different, and the weird thing about Huntsville is there's so many transplants from all over the country. You get all the different types of drivers. You get the ones that drive too slow, the ones that are too aggressive. You just get them all, and they're all in 565, and I feel like they're all trying to kill me. Yeah. Do you ever do the thing where you think you invent a good system where you're like, all right, if all the slow people are on the right, medium speed in the middle, fast on the left, I invented driving. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) The way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I do that all the time. I thought I invented the metric system one night. I was just like, I was like, inches is a compliment. Make it 10. Everyone does 10s. 10s is 10. Make everything divisible by 10. That's all you got to do. I'm like a smart idiot in that aspect. I'm like, I got it. One of the things I didn't check on before I started talking to you is how many years have you been doing stand-up? That's a, I've been doing, I started, it's hard to say because I, I didn't open like once. I know comics that'll be like, I've been doing it for 20 years because one time I did it one time when I was eight. Like I yeah. like for a, at a church camp when I was like <laughs> 14, I think. So that aspect, 19 years. So I've been doing it. Seriously, for six years, but I've been tinkering for eight or nine. Okay. Maybe ten. How old am I? Yeah, about ten years. Okay. Uh, tinkering. And what brought you to it? I just loved it. I, it's not a, like a it's not a harrowing story where I was like, I was in the gutter and this is my only salvation. I was just like, this is neat. I like this. <laughs> That's uh, great because old... the lady I talked to before you was going to kill herself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, my, my stories are never that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 
I have to really search for the interesting part because I've had, it's been not bad. It's been a pretty uneventful life in a good way. I've had some, I've had a life just like anyone, I guess. But. And did you start when you were in Illinois or did you start in Indiana? I started, I started in Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I lived in Chicago. I went to, I grew up on a farm and I was like, time to do the reasonable thing and move to the closest, largest city I can. So I moved to Chicago for college and I dropped out, which is the theme of my life. Uh-huh. But, and I started, I did an open mic up there during Columbia College, had art school, so they did all the artsy stuff. So I did an open mic up there and was like, oh, this is great. Ended up following a girl to Bloomington, Illinois. And then that's where I started to like do open mic comedy like once a month and once a month and twice a month and once a week and then three times a week and started working at the comedy club. But that was down in Bloomington, normal. And that comedy club is a church for wayward men now. Ah. So it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like that. And as far as influences, as far as comedy goes, was there anybody that you emulated early on? I'll watch all the clips, and it's Daniel Tosh. Okay. Was, he, he was really big at the time. He was never my favorite comedian, but I just would listen to it, and I'm like, I sound a lot like Daniel Tosh right now. Uh-huh. Uh, but, like, I loved, even back then, I loved Kyle Kinane was fantastic I'm yeah a big fan of him early on mike perviglia so i always had a bit more of a and i like the more kind-hearted whimsicalness of their material because 80s comedy was all like hey and i pushed that guy women are they people am i right fellas no, yeah. i don't like that's never been <laughs> never been my jam so i really enjoyed like how fun and goofy Kyle Kinane's stuff is while still being a dirtbag. He goes from like Uncle Barbecue. You're like that's I love that. It's yeah. just so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a grump, a grumpy guy that is. You can tell he's harmless. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I always like those kind of influences. I think Louis C.K. too, but he was like hard to not be influenced because when I was starting, he was the biggest comedian on the planet. I could see a little bit of like. That, that little look he would do. Like, yeah. I'd, I'd just catch myself doing that. Stuff yeah. Like that. Uh-huh. And thinking about your first material, it's always the most cring- cringy thing to do. Oh, but when God. you think about your first material, what was that like? It, so if we're ignoring the fact that it was a 23-year-old man with a microphone, like, this is my great idea. I don't know people or feelings yet. It was, I, I'm a very structured person when it comes to this. Like, I, at word for word, I'll still write. Maybe not strictly word for word now, but I'll write, like, I'll, I have a document with all my first jokes on it. I have all my material from, because I write it down on paper, and then that gets put into a Google Doc, and the material was bad. It was not very good. I did not know what a punchline was, yeah. but I would say things. Oh, I'm a college-age kid doing college-age humor. Ooh, I'm going to talk about fingering. Ah, I said the word. You guys like that? It was a, oh. Because hear about this poop. I took a <laughs> so lot of trial and error. That's one thing I will like. I always so I like to help other comics, and I bring some writing stuff because I like to try to I try to help bring everyone up. Uh-huh. And I'll always tell them they're like, "Oh, you're a really good comedian." Yeah, I'm not like I'm not a good writer. I just write so many shitty jokes. I eventually run out because that's all it is. Just you just keep writing, and eventually you go, "Oh, that was good. I like that one." Yeah, okay, I have a joke now. Yeah, and you have a very good presence uh, as far as a stage presence. You you've got that dude that lives next door type of of a stage presence, so it's comfortable and 
it's almost like icing on the cake that you say funny stuff. You, do you feel like that presence is something that you started with or did you de develop that? I think I started with a little bit. Like people would always say, you get a lot of those like half compliments where like you're very likable. Uh -huh. so that means they didn't think I was funny at all, but like likable is super important. It's harder. I think it's harder to teach them writing a joke, but I've always had a bit of that, but I've been made sure to pay attention to it because like when I was writing my, I, like my first six years of writing, I always had a slogan. It was just big, dumb fun. I'm not uh -huh. trying to take on any topics. I'm not trying to solve any problems. I just want you to, it's going to be big. It's going to be dumb. It's going to be a fun time. So I think that kind of hand in hand leads into it uh -huh. where I am working on the persona. It is just me. It's just like what I would like to, it's not, a, it's what I'd like to be. It's what I'd like to present, but I really am just that guy in general. So both, I, I make sure to focus on it and I make sure to actually be it in my everyday life. It seems like everybody that once you're in it for, it seems like the three year mark and it, it happened for me too where you look back at everything you've done and it's just absolute shit and you hate all of it and you have this epiphany that I need to get better. Did you, did that happen to you? Every day. Uh, <laughs> it happens every, I'm still waiting to write a good joke. Man, you got good no, jokes. I, uh, I know. I told, <laughs> so I did the album and the album is from jokes. I think it's like year three or four, three or four to last year or so so whatever that window would be and it was because everything before that i'm like this is unusable none of this is yeah. good at all but i think it is it's that it's that necessary evil of when you're first starting you need to write everything you can you, you write you perform you write you perform you're so excited you, you're just like and you're not really good yet you're not really writing like a set you're just writing jokes and you're just yeah. grabbing it whatever works and so eventually you've got all these things that you just cobbled together and you're like oh, i can do five i can do 10 i can do 15 maybe even 20 and then you are working and you realize how to do things and you realize how to like make a cohesive set and a sto like story you're pacing and stuff and you look back and you go oh shit this is none of that yeah. And so that's where that break comes in where all of a sudden you're starting to work on big chunks. You know what I mean? You're starting to work on stories. You're starting to have a bit of a journey and a per actually being a person on stage. So I think that's where that break comes in is you're learning how to be a person. Yeah. Did you have any jokes that, that just keep coming back from your early days that people remember? And for some reason they remember that joke and you absolutely hate it. No, I'm very unmemorable. So okay. Uh, no, I had I have some jokes that people will be like, "Hey, I really have a joke." My Star Wars joke, and I, I don't get to dust it off too often because it's a pretty nerdy joke, but people will like that one. So luckily, I don't have any bad jokes haunting me. I don't think. Uh huh. But I do have some people like they'll be like, "I love your Star Wars joke." Like, are you gonna tell that tonight? And I'm like, I'm in a redneck bar in Kentucky. Probably not. Honestly, yeah, I don't think you want to hear my thoughts on Luke Skywalker being part of the South. Well, that is uh, full disclosure. I am not a Star Wars fan. I don't like anything about it. And I saw the first one in 77 in the theater. That's where I said, oh, this sucks. I'm not going to watch anymore. And sure <laughs> enough, I didn't watch anymore. But that is the best Star Wars joke I have ever heard. Thank you. That, it, I'm going to blush. Is uh, it on the album? It's going to be on the album, yeah. Oh, good, good. That's because yeah. I, 
I watched that through several times and I just thought it was fantastic. The reason why I ask you about jokes is because I've got one. I used to do one about sitting on my balls and I thought that was like totally original. And I had no idea how hack it was until I saw like a hundred thousand other comedians do it in 1960. But when people remember my early sets were there that are friends of mine they're always like hey you still do that sitting on your balls joke and i'm like no oh. never <laughs> oh that's great but it's it's I, it's one of those weird arguments where they, like hack is only hack because it's worked too much yeah i think yeah. it's what it is like but it's parallel thought like with my star wars joke i put it up on tiktok and because that's what you have to do as a comic now is be on TikTok. Yeah. And podcaster dad. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I put on TikTok and people have no idea that two people can have similar ideas. They have no idea. Yeah. People, like, like six or seven people like Family Guy did that. I love that was on Family Guy. And it happened with another bit too. It was like Key and Peele. Like I have not watched any of these things. Uh-huh. Two people can have an idea. But like the sitting on the ball stuff, it's funny. It's hack because it works. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it's still not coming back. So. <laughs> No, no, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think it's okay to put that one to bed. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's, it's definitely in the archives now. So, thinking about doing the album, because when, that's always a big decision because there's a lot of work to it and you have to do a lot of preparation. Can you tell me from, First of all, why you decided to do it, and from there, what you had to put in place to get the album done. Get it yeah, recorded, uh, I should say. Yeah, I guess I'll step by step it. I decided to do it because I had written all these jokes these last four years, and I kept writing, I love writing jokes, so I'll keep writing. I kept writing new jokes and new bits, and I would go, oh, I need to work on these, but then I really don't want to disappoint the crowd on the show I'm at, and so I just will be like, oh, I'll get to those and I'll just keep, and I kept doing the same 30, 45 minutes, kept just doing the same 30, kept doing the same 45. And I was like, I need to get, these jokes are okay. I know these jokes will be so much better because mm. I'm better now. So I was like, I got to work on it. And I couldn't bring myself to, I was being a coward. I was, uh, I was copping out by going, Oh, I'll just keep doing these good ones. I'll just get the good ones. I, mm. And I never really pushed myself. So I was like, all right, I got to record an album because they weren't, they weren't, I wasn't having fun doing them. You know what I mean? Right. I was, yeah. Because there was no point to them. It was like, this, I'm saying these words to make a hundred bucks. That's not comedy. That's not fun. And so I was like, I got to do this album. And I just wrote down a goal. I was like, I will have my album recorded by, I think it's actually end of July. So I said, I'll have it recorded. I gave myself, I gave myself like nine months, which I found out it's a huge amount of time. And I'm so glad that I didn't have nine months to, to toil over it. Yeah. Because, yeah, because I was like, all right, worst comes to worst. I have enough equipment. I know enough people. I can do a DIY album. I'll make it happen. I'll do it on my own. And once it's done, I can shop it around. And I was talking to Nick, who works at Helium. And he goes, oh, why don't you just record it here? And I was like, okay, why don't I just get on Netflix, too? You know, and it was like... <laughs> It was like, oh, no, the guy that does it, go, I'll message him, I'll hook you guys up. And I was like, oh, shit, really? So he just hooked me up with the Helium Records guys, and they're making a bunch of, they're doing a bunch of albums right now, and it just became very advantageous when the guy gave me the date. It was 
three months, two and a half, three months out, which was perfect because I was gone all of January doing the material. So I like I had that ch- time to really pound out all the jokes to get some of the air out of it. And if I had nine months to do that, all the jokes would be so overdone and there'd be no fun and it would just been hammered out and just bad because it would have been over overworked. Yeah. But so I had the three months and they reported it in the upstairs room at Helium, which I love. I'm sure it's super cool to do theaters and stadiums, but I love a room that holds 50 people tight. Like mm-hmm. that's mwah. And so they just had it up there and then they ended up taking care of everything on the back end like I, I emailed the guy today and he was like yeah final cuts done this week and then i just picked july 29th for the album release so i could have a party and have a cool show at black circle like mm. i was like hey can i do a show and they're like yeah so that's how the long and short of it all came about when you work with a record company like that how involved do you have to be like in the edits and all that? Luckily, I could have, I know enough to have limped it by. Like I could have theoretically done it on my own, but this was super convenient. Like he just sent me, I did two shows and I felt that I nailed that guy's like first show. Got it. I want it to feel like an evening, not uh-huh. perfect. So there's some in there. But I did, I listened through, and I just sort of, like, at the minute markers, I was like, hey, I have some weird dead air here. Can you cut this? I think I only made six little edits that were, like, one of them I sipped a drink real weird. And I was like, I just didn't like that. I didn't feel like I added anything. So, Mm. like, real unimportant but, like, anal things to be like, hey, get rid of that. But he said it was super easy to edit on that end because it really was only, like, a few edits of, like, clip this dead air. I don't like I said, I don't, like, one thing, I just checked my notes and I was like, check in my notes. I don't need that on the album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so with the editing, that's about it. And he's taking care of the, all the rest of it. That's really cool. I've known people that they use a label. I've known people who do DIY and I know the DIY process is, there's a lot to it. Yeah. I, I did have a buddy that was like, uh, just just do DIY and then just give it to your buddy who works at Sirius. I'm like, I don't have a buddy that works at Sirius. Yeah. So he just said, he's like, oh, everyone's got one. No, <laughs> this is my buddy. Helium's Records. Yeah, you got to do that six degrees of separation. You can usually find somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always I don't like to bother people, though, which I think really does hold me back from getting booked because I never want to be like, because I've produced shows, and I know as soon as you produce a show, you get a thousand comedians. Yeah. Some people have done two open mics, and they're like, "Hey, when can I close your show out?" You're like, "No, what? I don't. Who are you?" So I always that holds me back. Where I'm like, I don't want to bug nobody. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I did just a few shows in South Bend at uh, Vegetable Buddies, and I would have people show up at the show and want to go up, <laughs> and it was a showcase. I'm like, oh, no, this is already. <laughs> scheduled yeah these people so there's 12 names on the poster why do you think we have more room yeah <laughs> that actually hit me on that hit me on sunday i was i'm like i'm not even i don't even run the show i'm just i was like hey i'm hosting this show it's gonna be a fun time come out and somebody goes is that an open mic yeah <laughs> no <laughs> not at all so as far as the material you've got on this album do you, f- it's, it's always a compendium of your best stuff. And I always like to compare it to like music. Everybody's first album is usually 
the best stuff that they've done in 10 years. It's, you, it seems like musicians are doing stuff for 10 years before they put that first yeah. album out. And then the second album is the stuff that didn't quite make the first album. And then the third album is just shit because they, they didn't, they didn't, they overthought it or they didn't think enough about yeah. it or They're anything like, like we that. We promised we got to do one every year. We don't have this. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. In comedy, you do the, you do this and you, you put it in a format that's going to be around forever. Do you feel like you need to write a whole new hour now? Or what are your feelings after this gets released? I want to do the new hour. Like, I don't, I'm not here to tell anyone else is their business or anything like that. No comedy and our current culture has a lot of like new gimme gimme, but I want to do the new hour. So I've already worked when I, when the album came out, I had, I still I had another 30 minutes of material that was that stuff that I was like working on that I haven't really hammered out yet. So, Cause I'm keeping, I'm keeping the Bigfoot bit that's on there and I'll pull out the star Wars joke. Other than that, all those other jokes, I'm done. I don't want to do them anymore. I want to see what else I can dig up. So mm. like it's, I like pushing like, I, I like the mystery of it. I like the danger of it. And I do feel that, like, the first... So you're saying, like, the first album for our, for musicians is, like, their best. I feel like, yeah, this is going to be the best that I had at the time. And I think now I have... I've made better friends that help me... That I can run material by and help me punch jokes up. I have better shows that I can be on. So I'm not just yelling about wieners and a dive bar to get reactions. So I, I don't have to, like, force and build all these, like jokes i don't necessarily really want to do because there's some jokes that are they're not i like so i I like all the jokes on the album but i just know that i could do them better and i know that subject matter wise i don't need to talk about this stuff anymore because i have some stuff like i'm single i'm married now i don't need to do those jokes anymore so i think as a compendium it is the best what i could do then but i think the next album i hopefully will be the best what i can do now and hopefully that'll be better than the first one. I've written my I've written my 10 year plan which really is five years and then a lot of empty years <laughs> uh, I think it's new car year 10 but uh, <laughs> but I think the end of the fifth year is record a third album so it's like basically two years between which feels more sustainable than a new one every year or mm. a new one every six months like Carlin did right yeah. And when you write goals out, like that's uh, interesting because a lot of folks don't. And I'm in business in real life and I've always written goals for myself. When you write goals like that, how do you hold yourself accountable for reaching those goals? It varies on what the goals are, but like I only recently started writing them out and I found it immensely helpful. And mm. it's not, I'm not like the seeker. I'm giving the universe the keys through this pen on the paper. Ooh, no, it's, mm. I think it's keeping things in your subconscious and keeping things in your forefront, your mind. And I'll write dates down. I'll be like, I have a new album. Like my 10 year plan has the year marks on it. So I go, Oh, I'm starting. I got to make sure. And I start making the little plans between where it'll be like, okay, I have to, I have to cause I'm going to, I'm going to do Finch Fest in 2023. I've decided I'm going to do that. And that means I have the hour I want to do. And then it just starts stepping back. So, all right, by 2023 for Finch Fest, I need to have this hour honed in. 
Okay, to have the hour honed in, I need to have it written by this time. Okay, to have it written by this time, I need to have 30 more minutes of mm-hmm. this, or I need to work on this. So it's just, it's weirdly stepped back because I'm looking at the thing in the future and just watching it slowly grow. And I know to keep myself from panicking, I need the goals to be like at least growing equally with it. That makes sense. You mentioned about having a broader amount of friends to bounce things off. And how do you get to the point where you are, first of all, comfortable enough in your act that you can take notes from somebody? And how do you realize that this note is good and it fits with your persona and what you want to bring forth? And how do you sift out the ones that are good and the ones that aren't going to work for you trial it's i think it's the internal compass a lot of times which i'll admit has been wrong a lot because i've had friends be like hey this would be a fun tag and i go i don't think that's a funny i don't get it and then they'll bug they'll say it like once or twice i'm like all right, i'll give it a shot i'll give it a shot and i'll do it and it just hits really hard i go oh okay all right and then i'll keep it but i and then i'll start to, the more you work with it the more you start to understand why it's working or why it's not working and take, I think taking notes is fine. I know co- some comics are like, I have to write every single word. If someone helps me at all, the whole joke's the whole thing's dead to me, which I'd rather have a good time, put on a good show and do well than every single word I wrote be mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather have a good time and a good show. And it's my buddies. If, it's right. usually that. It's usually my friend that gives me advice, my, a comic that I like gives me some advice and so i don't feel bad at all using it if anything it's we're both like he gets to watch it and go ah, i wrote that and i've done the same <laughs> that might be the thing too is like i've given a ton of thoughts to people. people that sometimes they get used sometimes they don't i love watching a show because it is that little comic ego in me like when someone does the punchline i give them and it just hits real hard i go oh yeah yeah those are my laughs <laughs> from the album <laughs> <laughs> same yeah. yeah but it's it's just that it's just trusting trusting your internal compass trial and error over the years and then also just trying them out because i know when i first started doing comedy open mics gold oh my god couldn't imagine not doing everything perfect uh, nope mike i gotta do everything pristine oh sharp ah, it's not like that at all open mics are have fun be goofy you actually have a better time have a better set uh-huh and get a better understanding of who you are on stage if you're having a good time up there. So yeah, now I'll just try stuff and go, it works. If not, ah, yeah. if it doesn't work, you figure out why. If it does work, you figure out why. For sure. You you mentioned that when you started, you you just wrote every single word out. How has that changed? What do you, When you have a joke and you've got a premise and you've got something that you think would be a good punch, what do you do? Do you just go up on stage with that and work it out or do you write it all out still or what's your process? So I typically have, if I have an idea, I'll text it to myself and then I can sit down and write it down. All my notebooks are stickered up and beat up real Mm. bad, but they're just full of written out and then set lists. And I'm very, I'm still very much like, I write it all out so I get I know where the joke's going, I know where the dead air is at, and I get rid of things, and then I will do the joke and I won't hold myself account like hundred percent accountable. Like I'll let myself have wiggle room, be in the room, 
listen to how the audience is reacting, and I'll let myself be a little bit more fun and goofy with it while ha- knowing where the joke is going, which I think is really, that's helped me a lot. Because before it was like, these are the words, these are the words, these are the words. Now it's, hey, this is, we got it. Like, I still write it out word for word. I'll go back, I'll listen. And if I have a good ad lib, oh, like, ooh, that's in the joke now. And you write, and I write that down. But I don't hold myself strictly accountable every single time for every single word. So it is just playing around. I'm starting to play a bit more. Sure enough. Yeah. A goofy fun time. And that's really important because I at what point I know in, in the little that I've done that I I know that when I first got up there I was very rigid and I needed to make sure every word came out the way I wrote it and I it keeps you from being in the moment. When did you realize that you weren't in the moment and you needed to get in the moment in order to be a better comic? I, it was, it was probably like, honestly, two or three years ago. Like I was mm. just, cause I was talking, I was working with my buddy on some jokes or whatnot. And he was just, we we're just talking and something he said, he was like, you're not being you up there. And I was like, what do you mean? These are all my thoughts. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. those are your thoughts. You're, you feel very written is what he said to me. And I, then I was like, Oh, I didn't know to look for it. I didn't know. So then I started, and then it was a very slow. And I'm sure that wasn't even like an epiphany moment. That's just the one that I remember for being the catalyst. But then after that, it's been, it was a slow weaning off. Cause I used to, I never brought the full, like no, everything typed out, but I would have the notebook written out. Then I would have a note card like a note card and I'd have uh, just all the jokes mm. in order but not only that I would have sub notes for punchlines yeah so it would be chunk and then punch 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 yeah joke punch 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 like now it's just <laughs> hey here's the thing to talk about go for it and so that's how I weaned off but it was like honestly only three years ago yeah it does it's amazing the difference being on stage when you're really in the moment and you're feeding off the energy of the audience and stuff like that versus it it just feels like it's almost like doing zoom comedy or something like that when you're up there trying to just say the words and it's yeah it's a really big difference and the other thing is i don't know if you experience this or not you it's real, like you said, it's gradual because you find yourself going right back to it because that's your comfort zone is just being, just saying the words. And then you have to really force yourself to get out of that. Yeah. It makes me feel like hopeful for the future too, because I know I need to slow down when I talk. I've always talked very fast and it's due to being uncomfortable. I've got anxious, I'm an anxious man. So I, I talk fast to, so there's no like silence. So I, but it helped me become a better writer to go say these words, get this punchline. But then being a person, I became a better performer. Now I need to do whatever slowing down would be. So I'm glad that there's, oh, it's always hope. There's always growth. You can always get better. Like, yeah. I like that. What's the difference for you featuring versus headlining? Oh, about 15 minutes. Now, honestly, feature like, when I first started, when I first started featuring, I was so scared because it's, it's a new thing, right? Yeah. And then I quickly realized that featuring is the easiest spot in the world. It is so fun. If for the amount of 
effort to reward is it's just it's a play date you just get up there you're like oh, i'm doing what 20 yeah. only 20 yeah. okay and you get out there you goof you know, you're like oh 10 minutes is done i'm gonna say four jokes then leave it's just the easiest thing but just then moving to headlining and still i remember the first time i headlined my buddy david brooks he was there and it was a bad show like obviously first time headliner but it was a bad show because there was a snowstorm in the middle like there's just all these things so there's six people who have no idea who i am uh-huh. and at one point during the set i just look up and david go, i go i'm not having a breakdown i'm not <laughs> and then i moved on <laughs> it was unrelated i was talking about like cats or something and I yeah. just, i'm not having a breakdown <laughs> you are but it gets easier it gets easier and easier because the more you do it, it becomes easier but it's also new challenges like check drop uh-huh no one, you're never really prepared for that to be having, oh man, I've been up here for 30 minutes. I've done all this stuff. This is good. I got about 15 more to go and no one's, li- no one's listening. No one's listening to me. Yeah. What? And you have to like, you have to realize, oh, they're doing math. Yeah. <laughs> they're realizing they bought too many drinks and are now drunk and now poor. But luckily I've had, I've picked the brains of comics and been doing longer, better comics than me. And they're like, Oh yeah, they're gonna dip out. So just either talk to them or just do some material and just be fine, be happy, with them, confident with the material. But then you're gonna have to ring them all back, and now that's a new thing I have to start working on. Which I love again. I love the growth. I love the challenge of it all. So it's it is. I'm still getting better at headlining. I do it more now than I ever have. It's a good sign. But it's. I think that's the main difference. Is you get really comfortable with how easy it is doing feature work, and then how. Because you're up there for 45 minutes. That's that yeah. extra 15 minutes is you and you can't just and you can't just go and punch, punch, punch. You have to yeah. like really hit them real hard and then calm them down and then bring them back up. And then it has to be a much more of a interesting journey because you are there for so much more time. When you're uh, when you're uh, featuring and you feel okay, say you're featuring for somebody that is a totally different type of comedian than you. And just just completely opposite, and you got thrown into the featuring act. Do you feel any extra pressure to try to get the audience ready for that type of headliner? Say it's, I don't know, who's controversial now? Say you're doing it for Ricky Gervais, and everybody's pissed off at him now. So what would you do? If I'm featured for Ricky Gervais... The people there aren't going to be mad at Ricky. They're going to be, they want to see him. They yeah. paid, I don't know, $45 a ticket. I'm just, I'm, I don't, I'm going to do my act. I'm going to have a good time with it. It's, I, I can't, there's nothing I can do to trick an audience. You know what I mean? I'm going to do my jokes about 30. I mean, from a small town, I'm going to do my jokes. I'll talk to the audience. I might do more crowd work if they're a rowdier crowd. It's really, I think mm-hmm. it's more on the crowd versus like the act after that uh, makes sense is like yeah because if, if the headliner is good the headliner should be fine no matter the headliner has earned the responsibility to be good at the end of the show earned that responsibility someone because i was talking to somebody and they gave me the advice early early on they're like it doesn't matter if you crush or bomb it is the headliner's job and responsibility to crush harder than you or mm. dig out of that hole like yeah i'm not obviously i'm not trying to bomb but let's say they just didn't feel me, the headliner should be good enough to come out and just get it right back on track. Because they're the ones that have all the, they're the headliners. That's who they came to see. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So they have the experience. So. Yeah. Your material is very, I want to say, very every man with the nerdy stuff <laughs> thrown in there. Are there, do you adjust for any 
different demographics that you run across at different clubs? Yeah, it's it's really well. I found club work is typically usually pretty consistent. Where bar shows, those are like. So I'll do. I was in Tennessee at a real country bar, but I've also done. I've done black rooms. I've done club work. I've done red rooms. I've auctioned off three guns and a flamethrower. Like I've done. <laughs> I'll do. And I think you just get better from doing those things. And I do tailor material to it. Like I was at a winery last week and. They didn't want, I have this long joke about the Shaquille O'Neal, how he used to catch child predators online, which will be on the next album. But uh. it's 100%, it's a true thing. Shaq used to do that. They didn't, they wouldn't give a shit about that. Like, so I was just being like, hey, who's horny? And they're like, we're all horny. So you just got to really tailor, like I've learned to read a room a bit more. And it just as much as it, there's these jokes I want to work on, I'll slip those in, but I can't force what I can't force what I want to do and work on them and just they can't make me do they can't change me completely either but that's why I like writing so much I like having a big arsenal I like having a lot of things that I can do right now I get to talk to a ton of old timers and being an old timer myself and they Everybody says there's no shortcuts as far as comedy is concerned. You got to do your time and you got to get better on your own. Have you found anything that you think would be, if you would have known it when you started, it would have been a shortcut for you to get better quicker? I think actually understanding that this is work, you're built, you're like, this is, it's a job. Mm. I mean, it's a fun job. I think it's the best job on the planet, but it's still a job. You need to put in constant effort. You need to put in hours every week. You need to keep track of things. You got to have accountability. And I wish I'm still coming into that more and more. I wish I had known how much work it was up top. And just, I think if I had just known more about the nitty gritty, if they're like, Okay, to feature, you need 30 minutes, but that actually means you need to have about 45 minutes to an hour of material in case something like, okay, cool, you need to have this. I just started, and I was just like, I'm going to do open mics and then be on Comedy Central. That was my whole, yeah. <laughs> that was my goal line. I don't know. But so I wish I had known that it is work. It is a job. It's a fun job, but I wish I had known that. And then also a social media following, which is, it was, it was 2000 nine or ten so everything was still newer ish ish uh -huh. but wish people were like yeah be on that get a following i think those two things yeah did you you're doing pretty well as far as social media is concerned and putting out good content and you're getting responses from it are you gaining fans from that how has that changed how like how many people show up for a show for you right now it's changed none at all but it's i but i have a strong feeling it will yeah because that was one of the goals i started to work on is i wanted to have i want to i want to eventually get to a point where i do a show most anywhere and 20 people show up to see me yeah i know that's in my mind that seems so egotistical and outlandish but then I remember people sell like a million tickets in Madison Square Garden or however big that is. I, I think I can get 20 people yeah. in Kentucky. But it has helped me get more of an online presence, which the bigger your online presence is, the easier it is to get more of an online presence. And the bigger your online presence is, the easier it is to get booked on things. Because people go, oh, this guy's got a bunch of followers. Yeah. Maybe 10 will show up. Maybe 5 will show up. It 
hasn't yet, but it is in process, if that makes any sense. Uh-huh. Because I, I do, I, I have two channels on, like, my TikTok. I my, my stand-up, my personal one. Then I have a nerd, it's called Nerd News. And both of those are getting a lot of followers now that I'm actually taking time to cultivate it and play to the platform's strength, which mm. is quick cuts and shorter videos and stuff. But yeah. I have people that are like, hey, this is great. I really like your stuff. I'm excited to see the album or listen to the album. So it is in process, but I've only been doing it two months for one channel, and then I've only given about a, about three weeks worth of effort for the other one. Oh. So, like, it's all new, but it's picking up steam rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, I, and it looks like really rapidly. So whatever you decided to do, you must have done it right. Yeah, I it's they always say find your niche, and luckily, a ner- being a big nerd's a niche. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely is. I wish that uh, I could get into all that nerdy stuff, but it just doesn't work for me. And here's a secret: everyone's yeah. a nerd about something. Yeah. we're all big nerds. Yeah, just some people like superheroes, some people love stand-up comedy, some people like cars and football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I got to find all the Twin Peaks nerds if I can do that. Are you? I can. I'll message. I'll send you some subreddits. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you're okay, when you're putting this stuff together and doing the TikTok videos and stuff like that, how much effort does it take to do one 30 second video for you? So it depends. For the stand up clip, I saw. I basically have my album recording, and I'm just releasing it for free because if you want to buy it, that's great. I mm-hmm. love it. But if you just want to enjoy it. I'd rather have that. I would rather have it out there. And it takes about 30 second clip for TikTok, which there's like theories out there, which they want, they call them thought interrupters, which is like change of a scene, something moves, a picture changes, you know what I mean? Just to keep mm-hmm. people engaged every two se- every two seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. You thought a laugh every 12 seconds was hard. So it's literally just chopping up videos and zooming them in for no reason back out but i don't want it to look weird so i like i pay attention so about a 30 second clip takes me probably about a half an hour to be wow. honest maybe a little bit more and then the other thing i do has a green screen so uh-huh. i have to end up like photoshopping i photoshop a lot of images and so it's basically like monologue jokes but for nerd stuff and i have one that was like 18 seconds that took me an hour and 45 minutes just because i wanted to put a glow effect on my eyes so oh okay but others i can use a chop 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 Picture, 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 15 minutes. Like yeah. some of them are, it's also just learning the program and getting the shortcuts down. Okay. I'm going to steal from you then because my, my, I all, I've done a few TikToks and the, but I, my Instagram following is the biggest by far of anything. And it's I mostly because I, I post memes about how shitty my podcast is and for some reason (laughs) whatever works yeah that 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 works so now i do reels and like i did i think the last reel i did was i always say i'm somebody else i said hi i'm ben shapiro and i like behind the bits and i'm an asshole but you don't have to be an asshole to behind the bits and go fuck yourself so that it was like 15 seconds and that that one did pretty well but and i look at others that i think i put more work into and were better and they just suck so i gotta get some consistency they 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 say consistency is the most important thing that's all that's all the platforms really want is consistency yeah but that is i have friends that they've put in like an hour 
and they get a hundred views. But then one of my friends was like, oh yeah, I did this video. I really liked this video. I thought it was super funny. I put a lot of work into it. it. Took me two hours to do. I had 50 views. And then there's another video where I'm just talking shit in my car and I post it because <laughs> and there's 2 million. You're yeah. like, yeah, this, it makes no sense. Yeah. It makes zero sense. <laughs> Oh, the things you have to do just to get your name out there these days is nuts. Yeah. Like, I just want to tell jokes, but I've had to learn how to, like, Photoshop and edit videos and audio. And it's, I'm glad to know more stuff, but, man, I would really like it if I could just get in a car. Yeah. So, based on your goal, your 10-year goal, what is your next year going to look like? This next year is going to... My next year is going to be a lot of writing and performing to get ready for Edinburgh because I found out you can just do you can just do French Fest, which I think is great. But so it's saving money, it's getting the new hour written, which will be a much more cohesive thing. I've already got like the kind of some good legwork on it, so that's yeah. And then I also love animation and filmmaking. So mm-hmm. I've made some friends that have some equipment, and so I'm going to be finishing a I outsourced a joke to get animated so that's going to be done here so that's going to be knocked off the list but then i'm going to start a pilot for a cartoon and then i'm actually going to write and direct a b horror comedy out in indianapolis oh nice so it's the first draft of the script is the story is done the first draft is almost done and then that'll get redone and figured out rewritten based on accessibility of how many zombie barnyard animals we can get but i just love being like and then i have uh and then i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna get a pilot done for an animated show uh-huh. and i might save up and then have someone animate that as just because i've learned you can just do stuff nowadays it's yeah. completely different from when i was a kid yeah you can like if i write a thing down i can find somebody that will i'll save some money and I'll maybe I'll have some people go in with me or whatever, but I'll be like, and I'll get it animated. And then I have a 10 minute cartoon. Uh-huh. I just have that. Now. Yeah. So it's, I'm just excited. I want to see more stuff that I want done to get done. Uh-huh. So that's my next year is get, it's a lot of getting pieces in, in, in places uh-huh. while still getting closer to yeah. the, because the year after this is another album. I want to have that pilot finished, written, and that film finished filming. So that's two years. So it's this is planting seeds and then sowing. Right. That's very cool that, that you're getting into that stuff. Because I one of the things I notice in everybody that I've interviewed, the people who diversify and get into writing and like animation and putting films together and things like that, it always seems to make everything they do better. So the comedy gets better and then everything else they do gets better along with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think it helps you. The more you do, the more you have to work harder, and then eventually that thing gets done, and so you still have that big work ethic right there. Mm-hmm. Is the important thing. And learning never hurts. Yeah. The more you learn, it helps in every single other aspect. Now I gotta ask you something. I've I've talked to I don't know how many middle Indiana comedians for the <laughs> show, and. I follow a lot of scenes because I always want to know, I'm always looking for people like you. I'm always looking for the ones that are right there 
on the edge of putting an album out or putting a special out or something like that. And I'd much rather talk to you than talk to somebody famous who forgot how they got where they're at. And it's, it's, it, 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 I think it makes the podcast better. But one of the things that I've noticed about Indianapolis is there never seems to be any major drama in the whole middle Indiana scene. And Am I right on that? And if I am, how does how do you guys manage to get along? Yeah, you're ma- you're mainly right. I think we had one one big dramatic thing about five years ago, and that caused us to really get our ducks in a row. Uh-huh. And we don't really the infighting because we like it doesn't really solve anything. And we like the because I was already doing comedy like two or three years by the time five years ago uh-huh. in town, and so like. I remember seeing all the upper people talking to people and be like, hey, you don't, we don't do this shit. We're a community. We work together. If you don't work together, that's fine. Just be quiet. Just mm-hmm. don't be a shithead. And then that's trickled down and it's still, hey, we're, yes, we're all special. But I think that's the thing is like we address the ego. It's like, we're all special, but we're all, everyone's special. Calm down. Yeah, I like yeah, that. But like, yeah, people still have their inner tips. Of, I don't like this guy. I'm like, all right, but they don't make it anyone's problem and south bend was really like that too very welcoming and very nice to the people that came up and uh, it's it's not like that everywhere and i'm sure you know that and uh, yeah now you do get to see because you're out so much you do get to see new comedians uh, that have been in it like a, a year or even six months or stuff like that uh, if you recognize somebody that is they've got potential because we, I'm sorry, I've watched enough open mics. The somebody that gets up is just never going to get any better. And, yeah. and then you see these people with a spark, they're still raw, but they still need to do something. What advice would you give somebody that is new to it, but you see some potential in them and you just something that would make them get. I always like to say, get better quicker. It's just do it more often. Mm-hmm. It's really it. Like put in the work. Like it. I hate what I hate seeing is really talented comedians get up there and then they just get and they just crush off the rip and then they just stop trying. Like oh, and then you just watch them. Like they came out so strong and then they got a little bit better and then they just coasted. That's yeah. I hate seeing that. if they just push themselves or try different things and they just would just keep climbing. It is again. It's just work. It's it's hard it's some of it's not fun but it's work do the what so my advice to anyone that wants to get better quicker starting out is video record every set you do and then if you really want to get better and you really want to not use extra words every word you say hand write it out and that will make you hate all of the hey because you're gonna like you guys, that's a big popular word in the Midwest. Like, all right, you guys, you guys are like, you will hate the word right. Like after your, because your hand's going to hurt. And uh-huh. you're like, I've, why am I saying right? That's no point there. And that will get rid of a lot of things that have no point. that have no reason to be there. So you just don't say them anymore because your hand hurts. Uh-huh. That's funny. You're the, you're only the second comedian that I've talked to the, it's pretty much transcribing your set. And that was... Who was it? It was Liz Melee. She does the same thing. Oh, I love I love Liz. And she still does that. And you talk about work. You talk about comedy being a job. That is work. It is because people already people will be like, I don't want to record my sets because I hate my voice. 
Yeah. Well, too bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's so much worse than that. Watch yourself a video and then write down everything you say. You're going to hate a lot more. But you get better at it. You get used to it. You're like, oh, that's my voice. Yeah, it's and that's something I took from her. And now that you've said it twice, now that I've heard it twice, I'm going to start doing it because I, I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun, but it is. It's all in the same vein of maybe not transcribing a set, but after you do a set, listen to every single one. Yeah. And think about my buddy Troy Davis gave me this advice. And it was such simple, good advice. It was after each set, ask yourself, what did I like about that? And what did I not like about that? Yeah. And that's such an easy way to break down how to improve at comedy. Mm. I like that I got a bunch of laughs. Okay. What I what didn't you like? Well, I didn't like that I didn't get a bunch of laughs. Okay. Why didn't that happen? Yeah. Okay. And then ask yourself the why and then keep going back. And- I tell you, Tyson, it was really great to get to know you better. And I love doing these deep dives and just watching your videos and stuff like that because it's you've definitely got a unique persona on stage in being the country guy who's still a big nerd and it's definitely working and i'm i'm gonna study your your tiktok videos pretty closely because i need to steal some of those not not the ideas but some of the production value i'll say i'll yeah uh, i'm I'm gonna steal some of that from you (laughs) I'm happy to help anyone out too. That's the thing is I'll tell comics all the time. Hit me up. I won't write your joke for you, but I'll help you figure out how, like, why it's working, why it's not working. Yeah. I'll I'll give you the tools. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's great. Yeah. Let me know if you can help. And where can people find you on the internet, especially your TikTok and your Instagram? All of my personal stuff is all is Tyson Cox Comedy, T-Y-S-O-N-C-O-X-C-O-M-E-D-Y. I think I spelled that Everything is Tyson Cox Comedy, TysonCoxComedy.com, at Gmail. Then I have the Nerd, like, then look up Nerd News. I think it's the Nerd News Network on TikTok. Okay. If you like nerdy content, that's been really fun to make. And that's a great title for it, too. (laughs) It's a, a good alliteration. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Thanks so much for being on the show. I, like I said, I've really enjoyed watching your videos and uh, just knowing that you're the, you're one of those Indiana guys. And uh, it just, it just seems like everybody that I talk to from Indiana just really has a good head on their shoulders. And that's really, it's really cool to see folks that are centered and very focused on their careers. And I'm really glad I got to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. This was super fun. Thank you for having me. I love talking comedy, so this is always good that I don't have to bore somebody at a dinner table when I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks a lot, Tyson. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.